Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Twenty-six pages into Natalie Goldberg's iconic book, Writing Down the Bones, is a two-paragraph chapter entitled, Trouble with the Editor, containing perhaps her most important directive about writing as a spiritual practice. It begins, it is important to separate the creator from the editor. Important to know this book is only nominally about writing. It's actually about living. This morning, I invite you to join me in reflecting on firing the critic. Who is the critic? Who is your critic? Natalie Goldberg's advice is that we begin by getting to know it. Maybe it says, you embarrass me. I'm ashamed of you. Maybe it says you're an imposter, a fraud, a fake. Maybe it says nobody really loves you. You're not really lovable and you don't belong. Who says that kind of thing? Not your worst enemy. Where does that harsh, self-doubting, self-loathing voice come from? And what's it doing inside your head? Next, Natalie Goldberg says, the better we know our critic, the better we can ignore it. After a while, she writes, like the jabbering of a demented fool, it becomes just prattle in the background. Don't reinforce its power by listening to its empty words. If the voice says, you're boring, and you listen to it, that reinforces it. That voice knows that boring will stop you dead in your tracks. Hear your boring as distant white laundry flapping in the breeze. Eventually, it will dry up and someone miles away will fold it and take it in. Poet Laureate of Maryland, Lucille Clifton writes, the light that came to Lucille Clifton came in a shift of knowing when even her fondest sureties faded away. It was the summer she understood that she had not understood and was not mistress even of her own off eye. And she could see the peril of an unexamined life. She closed her eyes, afraid to look for her authority. But the light insists on itself in the world. A voice from the non-dead past started talking. She closed her ears, and it spelled out in her hand, you might as well answer the door, my child. 
the truth is furiously knocking. The challenge is to fire the critic. But beware, the critic keeps coming around dressed in different outfits, disguises even, looking for new work. And here's something sad. It's actually well-intended. Hard to believe, but it turns out the critic sees itself as being on our side, looking out for our best interests. Giving voice to the critic is this preemptive gambit to inoculate ourselves from shame, the master emotion. It attacks and undermines us in the only way it knows to keep us from failure and shame, that feeling that we're not worthy doing its best to prevent the ego blow of not being good enough. But it backfires. It turns out that when we heed the critic, the self-inflicted emotional pain we experience lights up the same pain centers in the brain as physical pain. It can feel as if someone has slapped us hard. The threat response gets triggered to defend ourselves from a predator, fight, flight, or freeze. Giving voice to the inner critic, we are the ones inflicting pain on ourselves. We are both predator and prey. There is no refuge, no sanctuary. Our self-esteem plummets. And then what happens? All the motivation to persevere and room to grow just disappear. We're stuck. Unless we make a different choice about entertaining the critic. I'm thinking of Methodist minister and poet Jan Richardson's poem, The Healing That Comes. I know how long you have been waiting for your story to take a different turn how far you have gone in search of what will mend you and make you whole. I bear no remedy, no cure, no miracle for the easing of your pain, but I know the medicine that lives in a story that has been broken open. I know the healing that comes in ceasing to hide ourselves away with fingers clutched around the fragments we think are none but ours. See how they fit together, these shards we have been carrying. How in their meeting they make a way we could not find alone. Dr. Dolly Chu, a social psychologist, takes a nuanced view of the critic. We're always a work in progress, she says, if we're taking risks, making mistakes, and learning from them. Keeping the focus on who we're becoming, she encourages us to activate an inner voice that talks back to the critic, a voice of self-compassion, forgiveness, and encouragement, a voice that asks, what can I learn from this? We can talk back to the critic or we can just silence it. Here are the headlines on three strategies. Reframe with empathy 
instead of criticism. Get down to work. Speak kindly to yourself. Let's break those down. First, reframe with empathy. Instead of saying, the house is a complete disaster and feeling terrible about it, we can say, I've clearly been stressed. I don't need to add to it by beating myself up over my housekeeping. It's the same mess, but our perspective on it shifts, and maybe in activating empathy, we see a way to begin to shovel ourselves out. Try choosing empathy instead of criticism. Second, get down to work. Sometimes the critic gets to us because it's speaking some truth. We have a choice. We can ruminate and stew, or we can mobilize and do something. We can heed the critic and live in the suffoc that suffocating space between self-threat and self-motivation, or we can stop admiring the problem, stop self-flagellating, and align ourselves with something greater. We can begin to rectify that situation. And finally, third, speak kindly to yourself. What if we made a promise that we'd speak to ourselves as we would to a friend? We can leverage compassion for others to open the door to self-compassion. Life coach uh, Tony Teagarden ups the ante. He says, just ask yourself one question. Would you repeat what your critic says to a five-year-old? Would you tell a five-year-old they're not smart enough or lack talent? Would you tell them they're ugly? Of course not. We tell them to believe in themselves and that they can do anything they set their mind to. Please take this question to heart. It's anonymous. And if I asked you to name all the things that you love, how long would it take for you to name yourself? Amazingly, research has shown that those who cultivate self-compassion end up holding themselves to a higher standard than those who are self-critical. The theory is that self-compassion doesn't induce fight, flight, or freeze. It actually reduces stress, anxiety, perfectionism, shame, depression, and pain. When we are compassionate towards ourselves and others, we activate our mammalian caregiving system, also known as tend and befriend, the tend and befriend response, triggering feel-good hormones and promoting feelings of warmth and kindness. We can become our greatest allies. Beloved spiritual companions, let's close with Caribbean poet Derek Walcott's Love After Love. The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here eat. 
you will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give water, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit, feast on your life. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I honor the divine in you. Because the world is filled with fear, go with courage. Because the world is in despair, go with hope. Because the world is sick with sorrow, go with joy. Because the world is weary of war, go with peace. Because the world is seldom fair, go with justice. Because the world is under judgment, go with mercy. And because the world will die without it, go with love. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.